Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Binge Buster Show. I am so excited about this week's show. Uh, we got a great show in store for you. Uh, it, we're in uh, the month of November, and during the month of November, we're going to be talking, uh, my opinion, the greatest uh, wrestling um, super shows that ever came out. Uh, talking about the Starcades, and this week we're going to be talking Starcade '86. But before uh, we get to that part, I have got to bring on my co-host. I'm talking about Jeff Patton. Jeff, what is going on? Not much, man. Ready to do the podcast? I know it's crazy. Uh, we're we're actually recording this show um, here on a um, Wednesday night, and we're here right now on pins and needles waiting to find out who the uh the president elect is going to be um but uh as much as i want to as much as i'd like to just stand on my soapbox and talk about how crazy this whole this whole um election has been uh i think uh instead of uh boring the world with that we're going to talk about something exciting uh and i'm talking about starcade jeff um over the years, did uh, you ever get a chance to go to any of the Starcades? Unfortunately, I didn't. Uh, I wish I could have went to some of the ones in the eighties because they were uh, they were really amazing. And uh, man, I know the the eighty three, the eighty four, the eighty five, eighty six, and eighty seven were really really great. And uh, especially eighty five, that to me is still is my favorite wrestling event of all time. Yeah, mine too. And and fans in the in upcoming weeks, we are uh, as a matter of fact next week, uh, next week's show we we're actually going to cover Starcade '85 uh, during the month of um, of November. We're uh, Jeff and I, and, and hopefully Chris, we get him back on. Um, we're we're going to be talking about uh, certain Starcades. Um, I thought the 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 good one uh, to to start this series would be Starcade '86 because it was um, it was a little different than than some of the other ones. Um, where, whereas, uh, it, 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 it was, you know, they, they were actually doing, um, less matches on this one as opposed to, uh, 85 and 84 and 83, where those had like 12 big matches, um, on 86. Uh, I think we saw like eight, uh, big matches, uh, even though there were more matches in the different venues where they ran starcades, but. Um, but mostly it was like eight matches that they, uh, or six matches that, that was really, uh, showcased on the, uh, uh, I would say DVD, but <laughs> back then it wasn't a DVD. It was a VCR tape. And some of you young kids out here listening to the show, you probably don't even know what a VCR is, but, um, but, but I remember when these star came out, Jeff, uh, was around about, you know, in the eighties, VCR tapes were really starting to come out and these rental companies, um, would would have like uh, I guess Blockbuster was starting out then, but you could go there and rent these um, VHSs. And I remember um, there was a little place in Thomasville where I lived. It was called the um, the uh, the News Center was the name of it. And they of course 
sold magazines and newspapers and things like that. And then they dabbled in uh, renting movies. Well, I remember going there every Saturday night. My, my dad would take me there, and I'd always try to get uh, the wrestling DVDs. Or I keep wanting to say DVDs, but the wrestling VCRs. And they were always out because they only had one copy of everything, right? And I remember we went in there on a Tuesday one day, and lo and behold, they had Starcade 85. And, Jeff, I must have watched that thing ten times <laughs> that, 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 those couple days. Um, but uh, but it was it was very fun and interesting, uh, to say the least. And now uh, we're, we're blessed to be able to uh, log into the network and see all of these Starcades and also see the matches that was not included on the VCR tape. Uh, so that's really cool. But uh, the cool thing about Starcade 86 was um, I, I did get to go to that one. And I remember, <laughs> Jeff, the coolest thing about it, you're in the Coliseum, and they had this big screen above the ring, and they, they would have a match in Greensboro, and then the lights would go out after the match, and then the, the TV would come on above the ring, and you'll see a match from Atlanta. And they just kept going back and forth, back and forth. And it was it was really cool. But I was I was excited because I was lucky enough to get two of the big matches um there uh in Greensboro uh that I wanted to see. And that being um the Rock and Roll Express against the Andersons and Jimmy Valiant uh versus Paul Jones. So uh so two two of the matches I really wanted to see I did get to see um, and, uh, of course, uh, the big matches, the, the Skywalkers and the Ric Flair and, and Nikita Koloff was, um, was in Atlanta. But, uh, before we get into this podcast, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We have a sponsor this week, uh, Jeff, our good friend, uh, a, a mutual friend of mine and Jeff's, uh, Jason Freeman and Michael Elliott have put together this really awesome two disc DVD, uh, documentary talking about the, um, the PWF, and if a lot of you people out there don't know what the PWF was, it was Professional Wrestling Federation. It was ran by George South and the Italian Stallion. Um, and uh, if you want to find out about this, uh, about that company, you got to get that DVD. Uh, right now, I think it's available on eBay. Um, but I'm sure, uh, you know, if you log into the uh, NAWA website, uh, I'm sure they'll have more information in the coming weeks on that. So any, anyway, fans, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Jeff and I are going to be talking Starcade 86 coming up right after this. The Professional Wrestling Federation was created in the late 80s by Tyus Stein and George South. This is a story of two journeymen who created their own territory in the days of mainstream pro wrestling. The stars of the PWF not only competed on the independent circuit, but they were also enhancement talent for World Championship Wrestling and the World Wrestling Federation. The PWF was not without controversy, from the booking fee they charged the wrestlers to the stigma of PWF standing for Please Wrestle for Free. The PWF was also known for helping create some of the biggest stars in pro wrestling, including Henry Godwin, R-Truth, Men on a Mission, and Little Nate Charles Robinson, and many more. Learn the impact the PWF had on the early stage of independent wrestling from the wrestlers and owners themselves. This is a story you've been waiting to hear, but thought you never would. This two-disc set is loaded with matches and bonus material, so don't hesitate. Get your copy today before it sells out.
it comes. Blood-chilling fear. Heart-stopping danger. Starcade 86 presents The Night of the Skywalkers. The greatest wrestling video ever. The Road Warriors, Kim Cornette and the Midnight Express. 1,000 pounds of bone-crushing power suspended three stories high. Who wins? Who learns to fly? Who gets the shave? Jimmy Valiant's Big Mama or Paul Jones? Plus, the Andersons and the Rock and Roll Express. The Louisville Street Fight with Big Bubba Rogers and Ronnie Garvin. And the big one, Ric Flair versus Nikita Koloff. The Night of the Skywalkers from Starcade 86. And gentlemen, on behalf of Jim Crockett Promotions, welcome to the premier wrestling event of 1986, Starcade 86, the night of the Skywalker. Starcade 86, the night of the Skywalkers, was the fourth annual professional wrestling card held by Jim Crockett Promotions. It took place on November 27, 1986, coming from the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina, and the Omni in Atlanta. The card drew over 30,000 in attendance. The card featured the Night of the Skywalkers scaffold match featuring the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express, and the cage match for the NWA World Heavyweight title as Nature Boy Ric Flair defended against Nikita Koloff, and tons more matches. Find out what matches took place and some of the stories behind it. Coming up next on the Binge Buster Show. All right, fans, we are back here on the Binge Buster Show. Jeff, uh, that spot when when you when we heard Truck and Tom Miller say on behalf of Jim Crockett Promotions, welcome, man. When I hear that man's voice, I still get goosebumps. Yeah, I always liked him. Uh, very good ring announcer. Always could uh, really get the fans into it. Uh, always loved to hear that voice. Yeah, um, and and Jeff, the cool thing about Tom Miller, um, he was the uh, sole um, ring announcer for the Greensboro Coliseum, um, and every time that they um, had a major event, uh, well, any event, uh, house shows and everything. Um, Tom Miller was the ring announcer. And I can remember, Jeff, as a little kid going to the Greensboro Coliseum, uh, you're there and, you know, you're waiting for the show to start. And bell time was always 8.15. But I remember about 8 o'clock, you you would see Tom Miller, and he had another older gentleman with him. Uh, His his, his, Tom, he done the ring announcing, and this other older gentleman, he rang the bell. He was the bell ringer. Uh, And the guy that helped him ring the bell Dude, that guy had to be 90 years old. I mean, it took him 15 minutes to walk from the dressing room to the ring, it seemed like. But, but man, when, when, when Tom Miller got in the ring and you heard that voice, man, it, you knew that that, that night was going to be special. And um, I, know, I know there's been a lot of great ring announcers over the years, but Tom Miller was going to always be my favorite. Yeah, and, dude, I'm telling you, the two years, 85 and 86, I love the way they did this with the two uh, separate locations. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, and, of course, they had the giant screen uh, where you could see what was going on in the other uh, location while you were there at the arena. Uh, I always thought it was a really cool idea. And, 
just enjoyed it. Just, yeah. But they only did it for two years. Yeah, yeah. And then years later on, um, Vince McMahon decided to try the same thing, and he went to three different locations uh, for one of the WrestleManias. I think it might have been WrestleMania two uh, that he done that. But um, anyway, uh, nobody. I don't care who they are, and it's probably because I'm from the South. But um, but man, I'm with you on that, Jeff. Eighty, you know, from eighty three to eighty six. You, you, it was the best time of your life to be a wrestling fan in mid Atlantic championship wrestling territory because all year long you waited for the buildup for the great for the uh for Starcade. Yeah, and it seemed like the you know, we we talked about it on, on uh the last few weeks. We talked about how you know these big paper that you know we called them pay per views in the 90s, but they were uh big events like this and. There was also um, in other arenas across the country, uh, they had the the screens like you like you had in Greensboro. They had the giant closed circuit screens, and you could actually uh, go there and watch all the matches from both locations. Uh, that was before they you know came up with pay per view and all that. So uh, really a cool idea. And Starcade is the granddaddy of them all. I know everybody says WrestleMania this, but Man, for us that grew up in the South, it was Starcade, no doubt about yes, it. Yes, for sure. And I remember, uh, and and in the next, uh, in the very last um, uh, episode on this uh, series of Starcades, um, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm going to have a sound bite. But um, uh, Jeff, I, you know, over the years being in wrestling, I've got to do a lot of fun things. I've got to uh, team with you on multiple occasions. You and I are multi tag team champions we we've uh, we've had great matches together against each other uh i've got to wrestle a lot of my childhood heroes with the rock and roll express dusty Rhodes, ivan koloff um a lot of the a lot of guys like that but jeff i'm, I'm gonna tell you i think one of the greatest things i've ever done was when wwe came to greensboro a couple years ago and done a um a, a starcade tribute show and before the show started they had this little. They had one of the announcer girls coming around asking people, you know, different questions about Greensboro and how um, how special uh, that you know their their memories are of coming to Greensboro. And um, I didn't know that she was going to be picking me out of the crowd, but she's walking by and she's like, "Hey, anybody here ever come to any of the other Starcades?" And I just raised my hand, you know, and she's like, "You, sir, can I get a can I get a word with you?" And I, Jeff, I was like, at, at this point, I'm like, okay. Here, here's the thing. Okay, I can walk over here and I can just say, "Yeah, I was, I was at the Starcade and blah blah blah," or I can, you know, this is my only chance to get a pop in the Greensboro Coliseum, and I'm going to get one. I don't care if it's a cheap pop, but I basically told the, the people in attendance, you know, when she brought the microphone over, the first thing I said was, "Uh, hey guys, we're in Horseman Country, and Jeff." 16,000 people uh, at the same time went woo and I saw the four fingers go up all over ringside. Uh, man, it gave me goosebumps. It really did. Um, but I was explaining to the people there, uh, and to her, I said, you know, um, Greensboro Coliseum, it was our Madison square garden. And when, whenever in the Greensboro Coliseum, when the rock and express came through that curtain, the roof blew off the building. And, um, and it was just it was it was a special time and and I was so glad that I got to share that and then I had a couple uh, wrestlers that were there 
um, and they sent me text messages and said, hey, uh, don't forget, you're not a worker tonight. You're a fan. And I was like, oh, too bad because, you know, I, I had one chance you know, to get to, to, you know, to cut like a sort of promo. And I did. And, uh, of course she cut me off real quick when I started getting wound up, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, it was, fun. it was, it was fun time. And it's a time I'll never, I'll never forget. And I was like, man, that would, that would, that would be so cool if I could have that on video. And Jeff, it wasn't like five minutes later, our good friend, um, Jason Freeman, he texts me, he goes, dude, I'm here. And that was freaking cool. And then he sends me a video of it. I was like, man, thank you. You made my night. Um, but, uh, but it was so cool. But, uh, you know, getting back to Starcade 86, uh, Jeff, during this time, there were a lot of feuds, but the one feud that, that we really, really wanted to see, we, we got robbed of, um, this Starcade 86 was the night that Ric Flair was supposed to have lost the world title to the most popular wrestler, uh, I think, uh, to, to date, um, Magnum TA. Uh, unfortunately, in September of 86, Magnum TA was injured in a horrific car crash. Uh, so at the time, um, uh, Jim Crockett and Dusty Rhodes were kind of up in the air as far as you know what they were going to do with the world title. Because um, now the, the the major you know the the major player that was supposed to be in the main event is now no longer able to perform. Uh, so they had to find a fill in. So a couple names went up first, Dusty Rhodes, but then they thought, well, Dusty's Dusty's already challenged for the world title at every Starcade so far, besides the first one. Uh, so we can't use Dusty. Um, and then they thought, well, maybe Ronnie Garvin. But at the time, they didn't feel like Ronnie Garvin was ready. So the only person that they could have put in there at that time um, that, that would be legit and would give Ric Flair really a challenge and be able to sell tickets was Nikita Koloff. Um, and this, fans, was the is the infamous, infamous match, Jeff, where uh, we get to see a lot more of Nikita than what, what we planned on seeing. Yeah, you're definitely right there. Um, I know, uh, you know, Nikita uh, during the summer had had a very uh, intense uh, feud with Magnum TA. Um, Magnum was stripped of the U.S. heavyweight title, and um, they decided to do a best-of-seven series between Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff, and Nikita ended up winning the U.S. heavyweight title. And then... You know, fast forward, Magnum T.A. is in his really bad car accident uh, where he nearly loses his life, by the way. Um, but um, and then they decided, I, I'm, my guess is it was Dusty Rose's idea to uh, turn Nikita, uh, which was, I mean, a shock to everyone, you know, that Nikita would, would you know, here was, I remember when Nikita came in, I was scared to death, man. I mean, because he was huge, big, muscular guy, and he just, his face, he just looked like he was always pissed off and ready to just destroy anybody that got in his way. And, you know, here he is now. He's going to be a, a, a good guy, you know, as we called it. But And, and it was a, a shocker. Um, but, uh, I think it went over very well. And of course, uh, ended up uh, taking Magnum's spot with Dusty Rhodes as his partner. And then of course, uh, his spot at Starcade. Yeah. Um, 
I remember Jeff, um, you know, it seemed like we were, we were just finishing up the great American bashes. Um, we, we got the news that Nikita had, had, had won the final match, um, and, and was the, uh, United States champion. And at the time I was like, Oh man, you know, I cannot believe Nikita lost the belt to, uh, to Nikita. And then shortly after that, I start seeing them shooting. They, 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 you know, they start shooting these angles with flair and, um, and Magnum on TV, uh, you know, the Magnum come out there and, uh, or I'm sorry, flair came out there and gave Magnum a suit and Magnum <laughs> tore it up. Um, and, uh, and, it, and the, and it just took off from there. And I knew, uh, at that point in time that it, it was going to be, you know, uh, a, a really good feud. And I remember, uh, it seems like, um, somewhere around that time, uh, in September before Magnum's car crash, Seems like I remember going and seeing Ric Flair versus um, Magnum TA um, at the Greensboro Coliseum, um, and uh, it was a it was a match. It was a house show, and I, and I, and it ended with uh, Dusty and uh, Arn coming in, and it you know turned into a tag match. But um, but man, think about that for a minute, Jeff. What if Magnum hadn't been in that car wreck and he? beat flair for the world title here um i think if that happened hulk hogan definitely wouldn't have have sold as many tickets as he did yeah that's uh one thing that dusty Rhodes uh said a long time ago he said uh he said magnum had it all and he could there's a difference between him and hogan yeah magnum could wrestle i mean he could work in the ring and he, he could, could talk go perform in the ring and he could talk you know hogan could talk too but oh yeah i mean he could magnum ta could do it all and he had the look and he had the i mean he was so intense you know all his interviews he could get real intense um and just he was believable you know i mean people could believe uh him and he would have been he would have been as bigger than hogan no doubt about it yeah you know jeff um before we get into Starcade, I gotta tell you one of my the one of the, the most funniest Magnum TA promos was the time. Remember when he was like doing the little backstage interview, and Oli and Arn came in and attacked him and beat him up in the in the dressing room. Yeah, remember seeing that? I liked that part. <laughs> it was funny uh, where uh, uh, he was talking about wrestling Arn Anderson, uh, talking about uh, Magnum. And Magnum says, Arn, I'm going to come on you like nobody's ever came on you before. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, Magnum. <laughs> I think that's the wrong words to put in on this promo. Um, and then, of course, Arn and Ole bust in the locker room and they beat him up really, you know, really good. And then they go to the ring and beat up Dusty. And they, they drew heat. And it was just, uh, you know, it was supposed to have been a buildup for, for Starcade. And unfortunately, uh, Magnum was in the car crash. But uh, did, did you ever get a chance to ever meet Magnum T.A.? Uh, Jeff, actually, I have not. Now, I saw him. Um, I, I went to a wrestling in Asheville. Um, it was after they had changed over to WCW, or they were getting. Yeah, I think they had changed over. They did a a TV taping for Worldwide Wrestling, and they actually they taped three episodes of Worldwide Wrestling. And uh, Magnum was there, and we saw him back. We were sitting right beside where the wrestlers had come out, 
and we could look backstage and we saw Magnum TA, you know, he's standing with his cane and his, you know, his arm was in the sling and he was talking to Barry Wyndham. And, uh, but yeah, that, that's the only time I ever saw Magnum TA. And of course it was off in a distance. So never got to meet him personally. Well, um, probably around 2000, it was in 2001, um, I was on a show <clears throat> up in Western North Carolina and the, and the, the promoter there had, um, Magnum on the show, you know, he was doing autograph signing. And so of course, Magnum gets there early and, uh, he's in the back talking to the guys and he's telling old, you know, old road stories and things like that. And it was, and <laughs> it was kind of a funny spot. So, um, a lot of you people, you know, may or may not know this, but, um, but when Magnum wrestled, he wore he wore these boots, uh, the cowboy style boots, same boots like Magnum. T- uh, I'm sorry, Dusty Rhodes wore, and uh, Sam Houston, and uh, Barry Windham, and Black Bart, and Ron Bass, and you know a lot, lot, lot of the cowboy gimmicks. They 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 wore these really nice fancy cowboy boots. Well, um, uh, when I got you know got to become friends with Jimmy Valia, he had a pair of them on, and I'm like boogie brother, you got to tell me we got those boots at. And then he told me, and so I ordered a pair and, uh, they came in. Well, anyway, that night, um, and of course when I got mine, I'm thinking, well, you know, they're kind of expensive. So I didn't put uh wrestling soles on them. I just put regular cowboy boot, you know, cowboy, so cowboy boot soles on them. And so I just wore them to the shows. I didn't wear them in the ring to wrestle anyway. So uh, Magnum's back there, and he's talking to all the boys, and he's telling them about, you know, how Dusty them got him on uh, uh, TBS and all this. So he's telling stories. And uh, I just walk up, you know, and when I get there, like here's Magnum's, Magnum's in, like in the dressing room, and there's like a half circle of guys around him, and he's telling stories. And I just walk into the circle. And Magnum looks down, and he's telling a story about how, uh, he, you know, he was going to be working Ric Flair at Starcade. And he completely stopped talking and saw my boots and started marking out. He goes, brother, are those Austin Hall boots you got on? And I said, oh, yeah. And, of course, I pulled up my pants leg and let, let him see the design. He's like, dude, those are those are the badass Austin Halls I've ever seen. He goes, when I leave here tonight, I'm going home and telling my wife to dig out my Austin Halls because I'm going to look at him. He goes, they made the best boots ever. <laughs> I thought that was so cool that I interrupted Magnum telling stories. Uh, and then later on in the night, he's, he's, uh, at the, uh, at his gimmick table and I walked by, he said, brother, come here. I want to look at them boots one more time. And I took the boot off and he sat there and held it in his hand. He's like, my gosh, he said, this brings back so many memories. He goes, I am so glad I met you tonight. <laughs> and, I, and he and I talked about Austin Hall boots for you know, a long time. And he told me a funny story. So if you go back and look at some of the um, videos, um, he has a pair of Austin Hall boots, right? And um, it's probably, and, and I, I think he told me it's the last pair he ever had made before his accident. But they were, uh, they were red, red, white, and blue. So the way the boots were supposed to have been made, they were supposed to be in uh, the boots were supposed to have been red and then the, um, and then the outside of the boots were supposed to, so, so in other words, they, they were going to be like, like, like the, uh, the, uh, two-tone boots. So the Eagles on the inside, the Eagles on the boots were, were supposed to be white. And then the boot itself was supposed to be, uh, red. And then the outline of the boot was supposed to be in blue. Well, they ended up making the tops of the boots red 
and the bottoms of the feet of the boots blue <laughs> and made the eagles white. And he said, I remember when I, when I got them back, I said, hey, this ain't right. This ain't right. And he said, Dusty said, but, but baby, those boots are bad and, and you bad. <laughs> and he said, okay, then I'm wearing them. So he wore them and, uh, and, and I, I said, I, I said, I never would have known they were wrong. I just thought that you had them made to look, you know, like that. Um, unfortunately, Austin Hall boot company is now out of business. So, um, if, if you find a pair of those really cool boots, you're going to be lucky. Uh, you might find them, you might find a pair on eBay. Um, over the years, I've had like three pair, um, but now I'll, I just have one, and uh, it's, it's the ones, uh, the same ones that I'm talking about that Magnum popped over. Um, Magnum wasn't the only guy I've had pop over those boots. Um, I took my wife to a, don't laugh, Jeff, but took my wife to a country concert one time, and uh, we went to go see, um, oh, what was his name? Um, I can't think of the guy's name right now. But anyway, took my wife to a country concert, and she wanted to go backstage and, and be a groupie. So we go backstage and, um, Jake Owen, uh, you know, is a big country star. He, he was just coming out. Of course, I had no clue who, who the man was. I'm just standing back there with my wife. Well, when he comes out, about 30 women are back there and they're going nuts and they want to get their picture taken with him. So he's taking his picture with these girls and all of a sudden he looks down just like Magnum did, saw my boots and said, dude, those are some killer boots. Let, let me take them out. And of course I pull my pants legs up. Goes, oh man. And, and then he pops from my boots. So I've gotten a few people, you know, that likes them. So, uh, right now they're just in my studio and I don't wear them. Right, I don't know. I haven't worn them in a long time. So I usually just, I usually just wear them to my wrestling matches, you know, but anyway, enough talk about the boots. People are not, are not tuned in to hear about the boots. They want to hear about Starcade 86. Um, now Jeff, the first match on this card, which was not featured, like what, like we talked earlier, uh, was not featured on the um, on the on the VCR tape, but uh, the opening match on the show was Tim Horner and Nelson Royal taking on Rocky and Don Carnoodle. This match goes seven minutes thirty seconds with uh, Tim Horner and Nelson Royal uh, winning this match. Uh, what are your thoughts on on this match, Jeff? Uh, I guess this is a good little opening match. Um. <laughs> I, um, you know, Don Carnota was a, a pretty good wrestler, uh, and, uh, Rocky, of course, I know he was at one time, did he go as Keith Larson? Keith Larson. Yeah. Uh, he, he was a yeah, he enhancement was, talent. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Nelson Royal, I mean, man, I mean, you talking about a guy, you know, wrestled everybody, been everywhere. And, uh, Tim Horner, uh, another good wrestler, uh, I mean, probably a pretty good little opening match, and uh, the fans, I think, always like Tim Horner. Yeah, one of the things that I remember, I remember seeing this match and thinking, uh, this this opening match was not a babyface versus heel; it was babyface versus babyface. It was a very, very, um, you know, fair up up and down match. No no healing going on. Um, but the one thing that stood up in my mind about seeing this was like, I was thinking to myself as a, as a young kid, you know, just a couple of years ago, Don Carnoodle was taming with, um, Ivan Koloff and he was one of the most hated guys in the Carolinas. And he was like, you know, main event caliber fears before that he was, um, you know, a tag team with, uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, he was private Carnoodle. Um, 
and he was one half of the world tag team champions. And now just a few years later, uh, he's opening match on Starcade, uh, teaming with his brother who for the longest time was Keith Larson and a, um, enhancement talent. Uh, it just kind of goes to show you, um, how, how quick the, you know, your, your back then your, your gimmick and your, your, your place on the car can change. Uh, although he still, he still made it to Starcade. He still got a Starcade payoff. Uh, so it wasn't a bad deal. Um, but now, uh, after this match, we're going into a, uh, we're going to, to, um, Atlanta. Uh, this match is, uh, Brad Armstrong taking on gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. Jimmy Garvin had just came into the area, um, in, uh, I think it was April or May of 86. Um, and Jeff, this was like the first time that I saw Jimmy Garvin and, and you know me, I like that sparkly stuff. So he immediately was, was one of my favorites as a young kid. And I remember, uh, I always said, you know, Hey, if I ever get into wrestling, I'm, I'm going to do the Jimmy Garvin gimmick. I'm going to get the little, you know, the little sequin jackets and all that kind of thing. But, um, and I remember, uh, a lot of times you and I would team together and we had those, remember when we had those boas, Jeff, we were those boas <laughs> to the ring and, you had had me laughing one day you said gorgeous jeff feels good today man (laughs) yeah man i mean i i'll be honest only i mean that's where i got the gorgeous from i just figured out all the wrestlers i watched growing up he Uh was probably the one that i could i could imitate the best and uh yeah the easiest and uh that's who uh that's who uh, i ended up uh trying to imitate but yeah, man, this definitely would have been a great match. I mean, because Brad Armstrong, I mean, to me, one of the most underrated wrestlers. And even Tully Blanchard has said it. Arn Anderson has said it as well. Uh, Brad Armstrong, one of the most underrated wrestlers, should have been a champion. Definitely should have been a champion at some point. You know, not maybe world champion, but should have. You know, maybe the, the television title... Uh, would have been great or something, but yeah, Brad Armstrong, great wrestler. Yeah, and and the thing about Brad, he was so smooth. Um, I remember uh, uh, last year I had um, Teddy Long, uh, you know Theodore R. Long, on my uh, on my podcast, and uh, he was talking about uh, he got on the subject of Brad Armstrong, and he said, "Brother, he said Brad was the most um, polished, smoothest." cat you ever met he said he remembers one time they were down in um working for the uh for the fullers and um and he said brad came in had his kid with him he was wearing a suit and uh and um one of the guys had had some new trainees in the ring and they said hey brad you know can can you would you mind coming in the ring and uh showing these guys you know how to how to take a bump from a from a drop kick i mean no uh, show the guys how to, how to come in and, and feed for an arm drag. And he goes, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be glad to. And he said, I was waiting for him to take off his suit and go, you know, get dressed out before he came back to the ring. He said, he set his bag down. He took off his jacket, took off his necktie and got in the ring and did this spot with these guys and fed two arm drags, got up. He said, and his shirt tail was still tucked in. <laughs> he said he was so smooth. Uh, but uh, but man, I miss Brad. I I, I I'm like you, man. I, I I can't believe that 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 Brad never got you know uh, a title. Um, I know in WCW years later, uh, he he did have a little feud with um, um, 
Brian Pillman when Brian Pillman was the light heavyweight champion, but uh, they they never put the belt on him. But I I, I wish they had of um, Brad. Brad was just an awesome guy and 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 super nice. From you know, I never got to meet him, but from people I've talked to, uh, they basically say he's just so such a wholesome guy, uh, super nice. So, um, but uh, but we definitely miss Brad. Um, now going to our next match, we're going back to Greensboro for this one. Hector Guerrero and Baron Von Raschke, what a team that is, taking on Pistol Pez, Shaska Watley, and the Barbarian. Uh, this is a tag match. It goes 7 minutes, 25 seconds, uh, with Hector and Baron Von Raschke defeating Shaska and the Barbarian. Uh, this right here is kind of like you got th- uh, three members of Paul Jones's army. Uh, now Baron Von Raschke uh, had, had turned babyface. Jeff, for the life of me, you might can help me out on this because I know I missed a few TV shows during this time because I was playing baseball. But and back then I didn't have a VCR. Um, but uh, can you help me figure out when and how did Baron von Raschke turn babyface? I can't remember exactly. I think what happened was he was in a tag match, maybe with either the Barbarian or Shaska. And, uh, the Baron got pinned and, uh, I think that's what happened. And then of course, Paul Jones got mad at him and had it, you know, he had that little riding crop he brought to the ring with him and he started, you know, hitting, you know, tapping Baron with it and Baron had enough of it. And he went to, you know, hit Paul Jones, he hit him. And of course, I could have jumped you know, jumped on the band from behind, and I think Barbarian had come in and helped him or whatever or the other one did. I can't remember which one it was, but I think that's what happened. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I'm just not a big fan of Baron. I just, he just, I don't know. Didn't, uh, man, the, the guy was the, the funniest bump I ever seen in my life, but... Uh, well, um, Jimmy Jimmy Vallette has told me some funny stories about Baron Von Raschke back whenever they were working, uh, you know, out out west. Um, but uh, he said he said Jimmy Vallette told me the story one time. He said um, they were at this uh, hotel. I'm trying to remember where it was. I want to say it might have been in Chicago or something. And he said, you know, they've been on the road for a few days. They're waiting to get their payoffs, and and they're all like, you know, they all then blew all their money. Um, he said, so uh, they're, they're in this um, fancy hotel that um, Vern Gagne had paid for for them to be there. And he said, he said, well, they're not by the pool. He said, Baron was able to go and get a cigar from, um, from I can't remember who, but from, from somebody. Oh, Ar- uh, Arnold Skolan. Uh, he said, Baron went and got a cigar from Arnie Skolan. And so it was Boogie, uh, Baron Von Rasky. I want to say he's maybe Ivan Koloff, but uh, but he, but he said there's about four of them, four or five of them there laying by the pool tanning. He said none of them had a, had any money. He said Baron's ever, you know, smoking that cigar, and he says Baron looks at Boogie and says, "Hey, hey, handsome, what do you think the poor people are doing today?" <laughs> he said Boogie said I looked at him. He said I looked at him and said, "Well, one of them smoking a cigar." <laughs> <laughs> He said it was just a funny, funny story with uh, with Baron. He said Baron was just a, a dry humor guy, but a uh, nice guy. But 
but I'm with you, you know, uh, Baron, <laughs> I always laugh when I, when I remember seeing that, uh, uh, superstars on the superstation when the road, when animal clotheslined him and he took a butt bump. <laughs> and that's all the people need to know. <laughs> oh man, you sounded like him. That's great. Love it. Love it. Baron was awesome though. Well, now, now we're going back to, um, Atlanta for our next match. Uh, this is for the NWA United States tag team titles championship. And I remember Jeff, when I saw this, uh, Ivan and Nikita had just came out with those brand new belts and they were on that red leather. And I said, my gosh, those belts are beautiful. Um, and they're, they're taking on, uh, Ivan and Nikita, I'm sorry, Crusher Khrushchev and Ivan Koloff are the United States tag team champions. They're taking on the Kansas city Jayhawks, Bobby Jaggers and Dutch Mantell. This match ends up being a disc, uh, a, a disqualification, uh, nine minutes, 10 seconds. Uh, and I remember there at the end, um, uh, Dutch Mantell gets out, uh, but what was the name of, of his whip? I'm trying to remember, uh, Betsy Sue gets out Betsy Sue and, and goes to town on the Russians. Um, what were your thoughts of the Kansas Jayhawks when they first came to, um, to the Crockett promotions? I actually liked them. Uh, if for some reason I was always, I always liked Dutch Mantel. I just thought he was, uh, um, you know, he, he could really talk. And I know, you know, later on, um, you know, he was, ended up getting a job with WWE and he was like a behind the scenes uh, booker or whatever you call him, writer or whatever. And uh, I know he um, then, of course, was a manager for a while. Zeb Coulter, wasn't that his name? Yep, yep, Zeb Coulter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that, that's Dutch Mantel. And uh, it took me, I remember when I, you know, my son was in the WWE and I just happened to, you know, every now and then I would sit and watch with him and I was watching one day and I saw him. I, thought, I looked at him and I said, who is that guy? He said, is Zeb Coulter or something? I, no, that's Dutch Mantel. He said, who? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I realized who it was. But yeah, uh, kind of strange to see Ivan Koloff and Crusher Khrushchev, the U.S. Tag Team Champions. But, uh, and I'm trying to think of who they lost those belts to later on. Wasn't it? Um, you know, remember, I'll have to look that up. Um, I want to say maybe they lost Ron Garvin, Ron and Garvin and Barry Windham. That's it. Maybe. Yep. Okay. That's it. Ron and Barry. Um, okay. Yeah. They won them. And then, um, and then Ron and Barry lost them back to, uh, Ivan Koloff and Dick Murdoch. Yep. And speaking of Dick Murdoch, Jeff, I, I found this, this promo of Dick Murdoch on, youtube and i have been trying to find it again and i can't find it but it's so freaking hilarious because you know dick murdoch he, he was nuts anyway so he's out there uh and this this promo is taking place on uh, world championship wrestling there at the uh studio in, in atlanta and uh, of course you know in there they only got like 40 or 50 fans uh so everything that the fans say uh you you can hear pretty much you can pick up on what they're saying well um He's out there wearing, you know, he's he's out there teaming with Ivan Koloff, and he's talking about, you know, in the promo, he's talking about being in the Marines and everything, and he's wearing a Marines hat, um, and the fans are chanting USA, USA, (laughs) and and he says, 
shut up, you bunch of kayfabers. (laughs) 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 And I was like, and at the time as a kid, you know, I was like, what the heck is a kayfaber? And then years later when I you know, got into wrestling business and learned what a kayfaber is, and I swear to God I'm going to get a T-shirt made with that on. When when wrestling starts back up, uh, that, that's that's going to be my 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 uh, my catchphrase. Shut up, you bunch of kayfabers. But no, um, I like Dick Murdoch, man. He was, he was one tough individual. And I'll never forget, Jeff, um, at the uh, one of the uh, – legends reunion shows that they done slamboree uh remember the slamboree where he wrestled um um wahoo mcdaniels yes and the, he, he goes up and does that uh, uh flying head scissors and bobby heenan goes oh god yeah remember that it's beautiful and bobby yeah. heenan, bobby heenan goes i was it was it bobby heenan or uh, jesse ventura one of them was commentating i think it was jesse ventura and jesse says I can't believe uh, Dick Murdoch got his belly up that that high. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Dick, man, Dick was something else. But you know, Dick, Dick, uh, he he had some good stuff when he was in Smoky Mountain. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that one promo that he cut where he's he's sitting outside uh, on the porch, no shirt on, drinking beer, talking about how he's going to come into Smoky Mountain and beat people up. He had no shirt on, drinking beer, and it was snowing like hell. <laughs> Do you remember seeing that promo? Yeah. Definitely. Oh, God, yeah. it's hilarious. Um, now, moving back on, back to our uh, pay-per-view, um, we leave Atlanta and we go back to uh, Greensboro. Uh, now we're starting to get into to some of our specialty matches, gimmick matches, as, as you want to call it. Uh, this one is an Indian strap match featuring the great Wahoo McDaniels uh, taking on ravishing Rick Rude. Um, Rick Rude had just came into uh, Crockett Promotions, and Paul Jones is his manager, and he's coming in from world class. And dude, Jeff, was it me or did Rick Rude not have the coolest uh, entrance music back then? He had that chick saying, "Ricky, you're so ravishing. Where'd you come from?" And it cut right into a smooth operator. I love that. I, I love that gimmick. Yeah, and you know. Rude, I think Rude was a little green back then. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, because at this point, me, I he mean, hadn't been yeah, in the business I mean, but a couple he, of years. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, uh, he definitely could <laughs> could definitely get some lessons taught to him by Wahoo Daniel. There's no doubt about oh, that. I'm sure, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure Wahoo did. I guess uh, didn't, didn't Wahoo win this? Yeah, the Indian yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, Wahoo yeah. definitely won. Um, did, did, did you ever get a chance to read uh, – Rick Flair's book, his autobiography. Um, anyway, there, there's an excerpt in the book where Rick Flair's talking about when he was working with Wahoo, and he said Wahoo was a man's man. And he said one night he um, he had uh, he was getting his Flair was getting out his blade, and Wahoo chopped him, and Flair Flair was getting ready to gig, and when Flair when when Wahoo chopped him, uh, Flair ended up cutting his eyelid, you know. Um, with the, with the blade, and he kept telling Wahoo, he said, "Wahoo, brother, we we gotta take this match home, man. I cut myself in the eye," and he said Wahoo was just cool. He he didn't even get upset. He all he said was, "Shut up, Flair. I've had more um, stitches in my foreskin." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
Wahoo was Wahoo was uh he was first class and and um and 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 I'll never forget the time that that Wahoo came in and worked for you, um, man. Of course that that was near the end of his end of his life, but uh, but but Wahoo was was first class with us, man. He uh, I know he pulled you to the side and told you some of the guys that, that he thought would make it and some that he thought shouldn't be in the ring, and um, but that's just Wahoo being honest, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'll never forget what I did with him that night. That was uh, that was an awesome idea I come up with. Um, where he got involved in the main event and ended up chopping the guys and oh man, yeah, the crowd went crazy. They loved yeah. it. Oh man, that, that was great. That was all they wanted to see. People, people were there. Yeah. Now I ain't taking away from any any of those guys that was on that show, but those people that came in that building that night, they came to see Wahoo. They 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 want to see the Wahoo chop. Yep, and I give them what they wanted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you sure did. So, yeah, uh, and oh man, and I think Wahoo loved it just as much as uh, oh, the yeah. crowd. Did. He sure did. He sure did. I I know he he got mad at me on that show because um, I was out there, and of course I was I was kind of green at this point. I've only been in business a few years, but uh, remember Kenny. <laughs> Kenny had that chick with him that was his valet, Misty. Remember Misty? And then Mark, my cousin, Mark, he had that other chick. What was her name? Shelly was, was his was his mm-hmm. valet. And so yep. uh me and Mark are gonna work each other and he's got his he's got his valet out there and we start to and you know, they're starting to cheat. And then Kenny comes out and says, Here, Tony, I'm I'm gonna give you my valet, Misty, to help even up the odds. And I got on the microphone, and I didn't realize that nobody there really watched the ECW, except maybe maybe me and Donnie at the time. And I tried to get all them rednecks in Burke County to call Mark's chick a crack whore. <laughs> and I'm like, I got on the mic. Remember this, Jeff? I'm like, she's a crack. Yeah. And I'm trying to get people to say it, and nobody would say it. And Wahoo looked at me and said, put the microphone down. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I put the mic down, went and got in the ring, and I worked, done my match, and then I came back. And Wahoo told me, he said, "Don't use the mic." He said, "Get yourself over with with your work, not your mouth." And I was like, "Yes, sir." Um, but that but that that was definitely a a, a fun show. Uh, and Wahoo was definitely double tough. Now, um, leaving this match, we're going to a um back to to Atlanta. Uh, this one is for the NWA Central States Heavyweight Title. Um, this this belt uh, I think took place uh, for, uh, of the Mid Atlantic Title um, because the Mid Atlantic Title was not featured on Starcade '86. But here we got a guy that was the Mid Atlantic Champion earlier, Sam Houston, uh, and he's taking on Superstar Bill Dundee. This match goes ten minutes twenty four seconds with Sam Houston uh, defeating Bill Dundee. Um, Jeff, what are your thoughts on Bill Dundee? Uh, I, I love, I love that man's punches. Yeah. Um, he was okay. I mean, I, I wasn't too big of a fan. I just thought he was too, you know, really short. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought he was a pretty good wrestler. He definitely knew, knew the business in and out. I mean, especially when you're, uh, um, you know, come from Memphis, uh, down there with Jerry Lawler, I'm sure. Uh, oh man, him and Lawler, I was, I was about to say him and Lawler used to have some great matches and I used to love, 
man, him and Lauder with those punches, you would think they was killing each other with them punches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and then uh, Sam Houston. Yeah, I mean, I thought Sam Houston was a really good wrestler, and I just wish he could have uh, stayed in the business longer than what he did because uh, I thought the, the sky was the limit for him. Yeah. I remember um, I, I met him at WrestleCade last year and uh, talked to him for a little bit. Super nice guy, down to earth. Seemed like he, you know, want you know wanting to help the business still. Um, yeah, Sam, Sam was definitely definitely a, a good a good a good hand here at Starcade. Now we're going back to Greensboro, and I'm exciting at this point. I'm I'm popping um, as we are. Um, Seeing our one of my my favorite my, my one of my favorite guys, uh, the Boogie Woogie Man, handsome Jimmy Valiant with Big Mama, taking on Paul Jones, hair versus hair with the Raging Bull locked in a cage. Now, just a few weeks prior to this, uh, Jimmy Valiant has pretty much went through uh, during the Great American Bash. He's went through and he's um, uh, shaved off the hair of almost every person in Paul Jones's army. Uh, they go to Greensboro um, as Paul Jones versus Jimmy Valiant and Shaska uh, snuck in, hit uh, Boogie with the chair and put Paul Jones on top and Boogie gets the head shaved. And I was there for that show as well. And I remember uh, just sitting there going, I cannot believe that Boogie lost. They, they, they're shaving his head off or shaving his hair off his head. Um, I, I think this, this match was a good blow off. Uh, but I think once they put Big Mama's hair on the line, uh, I, I think at that point the cat's out the bag. Uh, you pretty much knew um, she wasn't going. You know, Boogie wasn't losing at this point. Um, but it was a good match. Uh, and then of course, a few like I said, a few weeks before this happened uh, at a house show, I believe in Charlotte, um, Paul Jones kept coming out saying he wanted the Bull to join the Army. And Bull's like, I'm not doing it. Me and me and Boogie are tight. And finally, he sees the money, and he grabs the suitcase or the briefcase, and he 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 turns on Boogie and leaves and joins Paul Jones's army. So here, Manny's not wrestling on the card. Um, where the year before this, uh, the Bull was in one of the bloodiest matches at Starcade '85. We'll talk about that next week, though, fans, uh, against Abdul the Butcher. But, uh, but Jeff, th- this match uh, goes four minutes. Now, a four-minute match, can you believe this? Um, and four minutes, Boogie and Paul Jones both got Kohler. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, but what a great match it was. Um, it, it served its purpose. Boogie got his revenge, and he finally shaved the head of Paul Jones. Uh, what are your thoughts on this match, Jeff? I just thought it was a great match. You know, as short as it uh, went uh, to end, you know, one of the top five feuds of the 80s as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, between Jimmy Fayette and Paul Jones and his army. Um, I talked to Boogie about this match in, in particular, and uh, he told me that he and, he and uh, Paul Jones together uh, each their payoff for this for this card uh, for this match was uh, around ten G's. Wow! And that that's the same that's the same amount that Tully Blanchard made from Starcade '85. <laughs> right? They, they they made they made ten grand for this match, and he said Big Mama made five 
just to walk to the ring, and so did Manny Fernandez. So this match alone, uh, $30,000 was the payoff just for this match. So think about this for a minute. Not counting what the ref was getting paid. <laughs> right, right. So imagine, yeah. imagine, you know, and see, that was a good thing about these Starcades fans. Uh, as a wrestler, you worked hard all year long to make it to Starcade because, you know, when you got to Starcade, your payoff was going to be, you know, pretty damn good. Yeah, most definitely. Now, um, so so the match ends. Uh, Jimmy Vaya ends up shaving Paul Jones's head. Um, then uh, after he gets done shaving Paul Jones's head, uh, the Raging Bull get, is able to get out of the cage, and then uh, Rick Rude comes down the aisle. Rick Rude and Manny Fernandez uh, end up beating down Jimmy Vaya for a little bit until uh Wahoo and Nelson Royal and a few other guys come down and chase them away. Uh and and that lets you know that this feud still isn't over. Jimmy Vayat may have got Paul Jones's hair, but Paul Jones isn't finished with Jimmy Vayat, which was kind of but but he was because after this they didn't really do anything else together. Um because shortly after this, uh the Raging Bull and Manny Fernandez will go on to feud with the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, and trade uh, the world tag team titles until uh, Rick uh, Rick Rude decides to go to WWF. Now we go back to Atlanta for our next match, a street fight, Atlanta street fight. Big Bubba Rogers with Jim Cornette taking on Ron Garvin. Um, Jeff, you, you have any thoughts or memories on this match? Um, yeah, I'm sure it was physical. Anytime you get Ronnie Garvin in the ring, it's going to be physical. This Especially match, when you get a street fight. One of this, yeah. one of the funny things about this match, Jeff, if you when you get a chance to go back and rewatch it, uh, there's a spot in this match where uh, <laughs> Jim Cornette is going to hit Ron Gar, uh, Ron Garvin in the back of the head with a tennis racket, right? But if you go back and yep. watch the match, the camera kind of cuts it off, but if you look real close, you can see it. But um, Jim Cornette whacks him in the head with a racket, and when the racket comes back. It gets underneath Cornette's leg, and Cornette trips and falls. <laughs> and then he gets I up. I do remember. Yeah, wasn't that the end of the match right there? Yeah, it was near the end. Yep, yeah. yep. And, yeah. and Cornette falls. He trips when he after he trips over a tennis racket. So funny. Either that, either either he trips on the tennis racket, or there's like drink on the floor, and he slips and falls. But I know he falls, and it seems like I remember hearing Cornette talk about that on one of his podcasts. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but, uh, anyway, it was still funny. Um, and, 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 it, and it might've been a prelude to Cornette about what might be happening <laughs> I was about ready to say that. <laughs> later on in the night. Um, but, uh, good match, good little street fight. Um, uh, both guys get a little color and it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. Uh, now we're really getting to a match that's going to get some color. We're going back to Greensboro. This match was a first blood for the NWA World Television title. Dusty Rhodes, the champion, defending his title against Tully Blanchard and his manager, J.J. Dillon. Um, during this match, Jeff, they, Dusty and uh, J.J. and Tully, they, they told a great story in this match. Um, I love the beginning when uh, Dusty comes out and he's got the new hairdo. He's got the buzz cut around his ears. Shaved completely bald, and he's got Tully's name written in black uh, makeup, um, and that, and that that's cool. But the 
the the the part I like that really tells a story is how at the beginning of the match, uh, JJ and Tully are coming up with all kind of ways to help Tully win. You know, <laughs> from the headgear to putting the the uh, Vaseline on on Tully's face. I mean, man, that was some great great storytelling. And my God, I love the end of this match. It just, it was so uh, well thought of. I yeah, mean, for sure was. And uh, just loved it. Just loved it. You, you, you go ahead and tell the, the story of the ending. I loved it. Yeah, the ending was uh, uh, the ref takes a bump, and, and just by just regular punches, Dusty opens up Tully Blanchard. And of course, Tully's bleeding a little bit. Um, and then, uh, um, you know, uh, Tully's down, he's bleeding. Dusty's over trying to get the referee up so he can see Tully's bleeding. Well, why he's doing that, uh, it goes back to the beginning of the match where they're telling the story. Uh, at the beginning of the match, they're putting, uh, JJ's putting Vaseline on Tully's head, and 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 uh, uh, Johnny Weaver is, is commentating, and he tells the people, he says, well, you know, in boxing, boxers do this. They put Vaseline on their face to keep from getting busted open and helping to seal cuts. So now Tully's got a cut over his eye from where Dusty hit him uh, with his fist. So JJ takes out the Vaseline again, pulls it back out again, and he seals up the cut of uh, Tully with the Vaseline, and then he gives Tully a roll of quarters. And, brother, when, when Tully hit Dusty and Dusty wakes up in front of the referee, Dusty is gushing. Yeah. And I remember uh, one of the Hebners, I can't remember which one it was, looks, uh, he was, was Earl. And he looks it was and Earl. He, yeah, and he he actually touches Dusty's head to make sure it's real blood. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, I thought that went along with the story. And then he rings the bell and, uh, you know, and then, Tully becomes the world television champion. And Dusty's standing in the ring cussing. You know, I'll never forget that. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> and he leaves. Um, and then we go back to to Atlanta for our uh one of our triple uh, and actually in actuality we had three we had three main events on this show so this one um is the highlight of um of the of the uh, of the starcade um this one is the night of the skywalkers a scaffold match the road warriors hawk and animal with paul ellering taking on the midnight express lover boy dennis and beautiful bobby with jim Cornette and big bubba now there is a lot to talk about in this match okay First of all, on a scaffold match, you can't do shit, Jeff. <laughs> you can't do nothing. All you're doing is throwing punches. And of course, the Midnight Express, they always they, they were synonymous for having, you know, the powder. And of course, you know, years later when the great tag team and Burke County Simply Perfection teamed up, we 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 stole that gimmick from the Midnight Express. But um but throwing the powder and I remember talking to Bobby Eaton before, and I told him, I asked him about that. I said, Bro, Bobby, I said, when y'all done the scaffold match, were you scared uh, when, when, when uh, you know, up there throwing the powder? He said, brother, I was scared from the time I got up on that damn thing. <laughs> he said, those things were terrifying. <laughs> he said, this was the first one we did. He said, and on top of it, he said, the scaffolding was falling apart up there. He said, if you go back and watch the tape, you can see Animal and Hawk trying to put some of it back together because they they had like like these little pieces of um like angle iron and and the little rods and they were they were basically used to help you know hold you know to have something to hold on to while they were up there. He said Hawk is up there holding on to it. He kicks Dennis. 
and the damn thing breaks. <laughs> he said, if Dennis hadn't have been laying there, uh, Hawk would have fell off onto the concrete. He said it was crazy. Um, but the craziest thing about this match, what a lot of people don't know, was just a few weeks prior to um, this uh, Skywalker's match. Of course, you know, the Road Warriors were always working in Japan. Well, while they were over there, Hawk ended up suffering a broken, uh, a broken leg. And Hawk comes back, tapes up, and works this scaffold match with a broken leg. Now, yeah, what kind of dedication is yeah, that? Yeah, and the build-up to it, too, for, for those who don't remember, um, the Midnight Express attacked the Road Warriors and left them laying. And, you know, that was – nobody's ever done that before. I mean, nobody's ever laid out the Road Warriors. And then they were gone for a short time. and then. You know, we don't hear nothing from the Road Warriors, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, you know, the the Legion of Doom have a, a an announcement to make, and then they come up with this little video, which I love the video. If you ever go to YouTube and watch it, it's and maybe if you actually can go on the network and watch this, uh, this arcade, they may show this uh, clip, but... The Road Warriors are up on the scaffold, and they have pumpkins. Or they're up on a scaffold outside somewhere, and they have the pumpkins, and they have the names Bobby, Dennis, and uh, Jim for Cornette uh-huh. written on the on the pumpkins, and they throw the pumpkins off the scaffold. It's so funny. It's a funny interview, but, uh, yeah, just the whole buildup for this was incredible. Yeah, I, I love that, and I love how they were uh, up there and uh, cutting these promos. And and uh, uh, Animal goes, Hawk, show the people at home what happens when you're when you're when you fall off the scaffold. And uh, he says, uh, show them how how the how the Midnight Express's head's going to explode. <laughs> so building up <laughs> as a kid, man, I, I thought, man, somebody's going to die on this one. Somebody's going to die. You know, I'm, I'm going to witness a murder. Yeah, right here. And uh and then I don't know who had this thought process. But um but the finish, you know, Bobby and Dennis take the bump off the scaffold. Now, if you go back and look, that scaffold's like three stories tall. It's it's huge. It has a big bump. And and Bobby, uh if you watch how Bobby and Dennis take the bump, I mean it's it's devastating. Well then they come up with this idea because they're Dusty's trying to build up Big Bubba. And he says, uh, well, Bubba is going to um, catch Cornette when he falls off the scaffold. Well, <clears throat> here's another story, Jeff. You're going to love this one. So so um, Animal told me this story at WrestleCade. So he says at the, at the, at the Skywalkers, like before the matches, um, uh, uh, Big Bubba was a big pothead. Okay. So Big Bubba and Hawk went outside and smoked pot before this match right <laughs> he said so bubba was fried um and dusty wanted bubba to catch cornet coming off the scaffold he said let me tell you something what they don't understand is when you come off that scaffold he said cornet might might have been 250 pounds he said but he was a thousand pounds coming down because he was coming so fast he said and i because I, i'm up on the scaffold and he said and I got Cornette, and I'm I'm helping him down. And I asked him, "Are you ready?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "And Paul, 
and Hawk is yelling at Bubba going, get ready, here he comes. He said, and I remember I'm up on the scaffold, I looked down, he said, Cornette went down, he said, dude, he went down so fast, he said, he looked like he was shot off that scaffold. He said, and Bubba looked up and Cornette, boom, it was down down the mat before before Bubba could even think. He said, but Bubba was high, so Bubba wouldn't even have known anyway. He said, but um, he said, but the funniest thing, man, was Cornette crying. He said, man, look, Cornette was screaming, my legs. He said, and me, he said, I was up on the scaffold. Hawk was up there with me, and Hawk said, uh, that son of a bitch just broke just just broke his back and his legs at the same time. I think, and uh, sure enough, Cor- Cornette had blew out both knees. Uh, he came down so fast and so hard. Um, but man, Jeff, what a crazy time. Uh, to, to think about, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 45, 46 years old. Even, even now there ain't enough money for me to get up on the scaffold and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust, you know, somebody to catch me when I come down. Yeah. 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 Me too. I'm afraid of heights. I don't do roller coasters. I don't do none of that stuff. I just don't, can't do it. Yeah. I, I, uh. Yeah, I'm 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 a little afraid of heights as well, um, but although Jeff at nineteen in nineteen eighty six, wrestling was so hot. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sitting here right now saying I wouldn't do it. But if it was nineteen eighty six and I had a con, I had a spot on the NWA, I'd probably be like, yeah, I'll do it. Throw me off. I'll I'll, I'll gig on the way down. You <laughs> know who knows? But uh, but man, uh. It was a good, a great match, but I've I've talked to all the guys, almost all the guys, um, except for Hawk, about this match, and they've all pretty much said the same thing: to hate them. Uh, it it, yeah. it was a good match to draw money, but you can't do nothing on it. You know, all you're doing is punching and kicking. You know, they they uh, said it's a lot like a, a battle royal, except the 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 bump is a lot bigger coming down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they don't they don't really care for it. Now <clears throat> we're going to go back to Greensboro for uh, another main event match. Uh, this was another one that I that I um, couldn't wait to see as a kid. I was such a big Rockland Express mark. But um, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the World Tag Team Champions, defending against the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Arn Anderson inside a steel cage. This match goes twenty minutes twenty seconds uh, with. Uh, uh, Rock and Roll Express going over. Jeff, I love the finish of this match. Uh, yep. You know, uh, Arn picks up uh, Ricky Morton, and uh, Robert does a drop kick on Ricky Morton's back, and uh, and Ricky gets the pin on Arn. Uh, I think a couple times, I think may, maybe you and I might have used this finish on one of our matches. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, great. Uh, but it's a great finish. Um, but uh, but what a great match! And and man, Ricky Morton bled from from his head to his boots in this one. Yeah, and they uh, supposedly they worked on Robert Gibson's leg. So after it was over, he had a hurt leg, and they worked on uh, yeah, uh, Ricky Morton's arm. Yep. So they were scarred after the match, supposedly, and it was just a build up for what was going to happen, you know, a week or two later when they lost the world tag team titles. Yep. They lost the titles to, uh, like I said earlier, the Regin bull and Manny Fernandez, um, and ravishing Rick rude. Um, the, the new R and R express as, uh, as the region bull called them. Um, but, uh, this match, I mean, it was, it was good. Uh, and, and it was, it was, and it was kind of like a, a repeat 
because I was just there at the Greensboro Coliseum in Ju- um, July uh, at the Great American Bash, and I got the same match except minus the cage, uh, Rock and Roll Express against Arn and, um, and Ole, uh, number one contenders, because during that time, the Midnight Express was the world tag team champions. And then there at the end of summer, uh, Rock and Roll got the belts back, and then they gave them the new belts, those blue ones, uh, they carried them them belts out for a while, and then they um and then right before Starcade they said hey um we're in the the twenty uh, fifth anniversary of uh, the NWA Jim Crockett Promotions so we're going to give the Rock Express these new uh, silver anniversary belts and Jeff to this day I think those are still my favorite tag team titles the silver with the gold eagles those things were so pretty yes they were. <clears throat> and of course, uh, Rick Root and the uh, um, Raging Bull um, held those titles. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, when Root left for the WWF, he took one of those belts with him. Yep, he sure did. And as a matter of <laughs> and fact, that's why they had to bring back the blue ones. <laughs> yep, he he stole it, took it with him, and uh, also from what I've heard, uh, that belt that belt was buried with him. Um, so uh, that oh, one wow. and one of the Intercontinental titles um, was actually buried with uh, with uh, Rick Rude when he passed away. Um, now, fans, we're a- into our main event. Uh, this is the one we've been waiting on. Uh, singles match. Uh, uh, Ric Flair, the world heavyweight champion, defending against Nikita Koloff. Uh, a lot going on in this match, Jeff. They're uh, beating each other through all over the all over the. Uh, uh, Omni, uh, Flair, uh, tells, uh, Nikita to ram him into the, um, uh, the scaffolding. Flair gets a little color, uh, and, uh, then they get in the ring. They do a few more things. And then this is the part, part where a lot of people may not know this. And now after they listen to our podcast, I bet you uh, most of them are going to go back and try to see this. But, uh, if you go back and watch this match, fans, Rick Flair, uh, puts Nikita in a vertical suplex. And of course, you know Nikita always wore those uh, the Russian singlets, and uh, apparently no underwear. And Flair hooks him for the vertical suplex, holds him up, and uh, Nikita's uh, sickle falls out. And uh, and then our good our good friend referee Tommy Young tucks it back in nonchalantly. But right before he does it, I love I love Tommy Young's face when Flair's got Nikita up in the vertical. He sees his, he sees Nikita's penis out, and and Tommy Young goes, "Jesus, Rick!" <laughs> and then when they take the bump, you see uh, Nikita's penis go boom, 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 boom. It bounces all around, and then <laughs> and friggin' Tommy Young stuffs it in. And to this day, I don't think they've ever edited edited that out of any video that's been that's been you seen. You know that that came up in. Um the podcast uh, that Arn Anderson does, and uh, um, somebody asked that question, and Arn was like, Arn's like, well, I don't really recall that. He says, but my God, why didn't they edit that out? <laughs> right, yeah. You would think they would have. <laughs> well, you know, Jeff, a similar thing happened to me one time in a match. We were up there. Uh, me, You and I were tag team champions, and we were working against Mark and Kenny. And I was wearing those uh, neon pink and green trunks I used to have. 
And Mark done me the same way. He hooked my trunks and he lifted me up and my penis fell out. It bounced all around and three girls on the front row asked me for a date after the show. <laughs> uh, that's another story for another show. But uh, but anyway, no, but seriously, though, uh, it did happen. Mark, uh, Mark, he hooked me and I'm, I, I could feel it, you know. Of course, I, I didn't uh, give um, – the referee there and and uh for for our organization at the time i believe it was metcalf i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna have him help me put it i just roll i rolled over on my stomach and tucked it back in and then i cut mark off <laughs> and i said you <laughs> son of a bitch why'd you do that for and he had he had no clue what he had done to me but um but man it, it, it happens you know accidents happen in the ring you know you don't expect it but uh but man uh, that that had to have been the highlight of the uh, of the Nikita Ric Flair match at Starcade. Probably definitely the most talked about. Um, uh, and, and and you know, I never called it. Uh, going back and watching the, the tape, I never called it. I was actually on a show one time, and a wrestler told me about it. It's like, yeah, that's that's the show where Nikita's penis falls out. I was like, what do you mean penis? No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. Go back and watch. And sure enough, I was like, oh wow, it did. So uh, yeah, you know, years years pass. I can tell you, uh, seemed like every every match I saw Ric Flair in Greensboro, uh, his trunks got pulled down and, and he mooned the Greensboro Coliseum. But uh, never, never, never did I see a penis, but but I have or Flair's penis. But I have heard a lot of other people have uh, when it after the shows, Flair liked the party. But uh, but man, all in all, uh, Star Kid eighty six of Skywalkers was definitely uh, it's probably my my second favorite uh, Star Kid event. Uh, I'm with you, Jeff. 85 is definitely my favorite, but uh, 86 was definitely great. Um, like like you say earlier in the in the show, uh, it was cool how they uh, came from from two different venues, and, and you got to go back and forth and uh, Greensboro back to Charlotte, or I keep saying Charlotte, Greensboro to Atlanta, Atlanta back to Greensboro. Uh, and one of the things that I haven't mentioned yet, and I need to, um, was during this time. Um, you, you definitely had had like like all the um, the major uh, employees uh, working uh, this night, you know. Uh, so on commentating in Greensboro, we had the uh, the host of Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, which I thought fit perfect. Uh, Bob Cottle and Johnny Weaver calling the action in Greensboro. Uh, then in, in uh, Atlanta, we got Tony Schiavone and Rick Stewart. Don't really know why we had Rick Stewart. I, I don't know why David Crockett wasn't there, but David Crockett wasn't on the show. Um, and then back in Greensboro, the backstage interviews, we had uh, Johnny Weaver taking care of that. And then in uh, Atlanta, we had Rick Stewart. Now, the referees, uh, the referees in, uh, we had, um, in Greensboro, we had Sonny Fargo and Earl Hebner. And then in uh, Atlanta, we had Scrappy McGowan and Tommy Young. And uh, th- that was cool. And then, of course, our ring announcers and uh, and in Greensboro we had, of course, we talked about earlier Tom Miller, and in Atlanta Tony Schiavone. So Tony Schiavone was uh, he had two different jobs that night. He had to announce the announce the matches and call the call the action in the ring. So uh, and from what Tony says, he done two jobs and got one paycheck. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Starcade 86, definitely a, uh, a great, uh, a great, a great event. Uh, uh, Jeff, any, any other thoughts on this before we, uh, take this podcast home? 
um, probably would give it uh, an eight, eight out of ten. Yeah, uh, I mean there were yep. some matches that were, you know, a little skeptical, but uh, all in all, a really great uh, wrestling event. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, I, I matter of fact, when when I knew we was gonna be doing the Star Case, I actually watched it the other night, and I was like, man. Uh, I remember I was I was sitting in section 101, you know, there in Greensboro, and uh, man, it just seems like I could watch that, and in my in my mind, I went back to that day, you know, my, my dad was there with me, and uh, we were watching Starcade, and it was just a, a fun time, a fun memory. Um, now, fans, uh, early in the show, we we had a commercial about the uh, PWF, um, and right now, if you go over to um, to eBay. Uh, you can definitely pick up a copy of that uh, of that DVD, Jeff. Uh, I, I know, uh, I know you, you may have a few PWF stories for us. Uh, before we go off the air, I know uh, during during the time the PD the PWF was running, uh, the BCW was getting started up, and uh, might have been a little little uh, competition there in Morganton, North Carolina, for the PWF. Uh, any thoughts or or any 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 stories you want to share with us about that? Um, yeah, I, uh, I actually, I don't know if I'm on the DVD, but I do know that, uh, they did film an interview that I did about oh, nice. PWF. Yeah. So I, like, I don't know if it shows up on the, on their DVD or not. Um, but yeah, I kind of went over the story of, um, you know, Italian stallion. I, I've never had any bad um, dealings with George South, one of the most classiest, uh, most humble, um, easy to get along with human beings that I've ever met. I have so much respect for George South. Um, but yeah, Tan Stan didn't really think highly of us. He was considered us as backyard wrestling and, uh, we weren't professional. Um, pretty much that's what happened. Uh, we came to one of his wrestling events. Uh, one of the PWF wrestling events, and we told him during the wrestling, "Hey, we're we're wrestlers, and you know we're here. We live here in uh, Morganton. They were doing a wrestling event in uh, in our hometown, and uh, we, you know, and Stan saw an opportunity to sell some tickets, so he gave us tickets and said, I'll tell you what, next week you guys show up, help set up the ring. I'll give you a little tryout in the ring, and." Uh, try to sell me some tickets and I'll put you guys, it was four of us and I'll put you in a tag match. Uh, you know, I think it was like a week or two later they were coming back. So, you know, we showed up and I think I sold four or five tickets is what we sold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, <clears throat> got there, helped set the ring up, got in the ring, worked out a little bit. And, uh, he told us afterwards, Pretty much, he says, you know, I'm a man of my word. I'll let you wrestle. He said, but you guys need some work. You're not professional. You need to be trained. Um, so I told the guys, I said, I'm going home. Uh, he don't want us in his ring, so I'm done. And he also offered us to be in his battle royal at the end of the show. Um, so uh, the other guys stayed. And I think uh, one of them was in the battle royal or whatever. But pretty much he just wanted us to on our money, uh, you know, so, but yeah, that's what happened. And then it's funny because a year later, 
Um, he books the wrestling event um, the same night we do, <laughs> and he draws 20 people, and we draw 200. So, you know, we won that battle, and er- after that wrestling event, he never came and done another show in Burke County. So, wow, um, yeah. So that was the story there. So, well, I'm I'm sure there's more stories uh, on this DVD similar to that, uh, but. To uh, find that out, fans, you're going to have to go and purchase this uh, DVD. Uh, and I highly recommend doing that. And uh, plus, uh, our, fr- our good friend Jason and, and Michael will uh, will appreciate it. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, I, I think that... Uh, and, and also on this DVD, not only is it like um, a documentary of, of interviewing all these people that, that were involved, uh, either with PWF or outside of PWF, but there's also a lot of matches included on this DVD and some bonus material. So, uh, it's well worth the, uh, the, uh, price that they're asking for this DVD. I think it's $20 plus $5 shipping. Uh, so all, all you people at home, all you got to do is, uh, skip McDonald's for a week and, uh, or for a couple of days. Or in my case, skip it for one day. Cause I can, I can spend 20 bucks at McDonald's real quick with, with my crew. But, uh, but anyway, fans, uh, again, we want to thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in to the Binge Buster Show. Um, we are worldwide. Uh, every week I get my report, and we're getting new listeners all over the all over the world, and that's, and that's a shoot. And uh, and I just got a notification today, right before we, we uh, decided to, re- to record this show, that uh, the Binge Buster Show is available on every podcast platform that's out there. Uh, I'm talking, uh, we're on a- um, Apple, um, Apple podcast. We're on Google play, um, iHeartRadio, which is the number one, uh, um, podcasting app out there. And now for all you people at home that have your Alexas and all that stuff, uh, Hey, we're, we're now we're on, uh, Amazon music. So, uh, the binge Buster show is definitely growing. I'm, I'm proud of it. I enjoy it. Um, it's, it's a fun hobby to have and, it's great being able to sit here with uh, with my good friend Jeff and reminiscing of the good old days and and breaking down some of these um, some of these shows and uh, in the coming weeks um, I'm you know we, we got a lot of surprises and we're going to be adding uh, a couple of other different segments to uh, to the Binge Buster show coming up in the next week or so. Uh, these are going to be fun segments uh, to kind of break the ice and make you laugh. Um, and it might get a few of us in trouble, but hey, that's <laughs> all about drawing heat. If you can draw heat, then you're going to make it good in the wrestling business, right, Jeff? That's right. All right, fans. Well, thank you again, Jeff, for uh, being my co host again this week. Uh, Chris is on location working on some stories for our show. So uh, hopefully he'll, he'll be back on the podcast soon. Uh, but for Jeff Patton, I'm Tony Binge. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. And we will see you next week here on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.